Hello, everybody, and welcome to the free preview for this month's episode of What a Cartoon Movie, all about Toy Story. I am your host for this one, Bob Mackey, and there is a snake in my boots. There's a real snake problem here in Henry's apartment. I'm sorry. Uh, Call Henry, Animal Control. <laughs> it's Henry Gilbert. I'm still rendering those snakes. They'll, they'll be normal soon. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. But yes, uh, welcome to another free preview of Ooh. yet another episode of What a Cartoon Movie, our second longest only the Cowboy Bebop movie was five minutes longer. Our treatment of that movie was four hours and 20 minutes. And this episode, I think, is like four hours and 15 minutes. The entire thing. Shot. Yes. Yeah. If only if you'd had one more Randy Newman song in there, yes. too. Just make the listeners hear it in full. <laughs> what you're going to hear is a brief, uh, well, 20-minute section of, I think, the longest history segment we've done to oh, date yes. for What a Cartoon Movie. So I believe it's like an hour and 38 minutes just on the history of Toy Story. In the full version of the podcast, we cover the history of Pixar and the history of the making of Toy Story. So in this free preview, you're going to hear about 20 minutes or so of the making of Toy Story and the various uh, production difficulties this movie suffered because this movie barely became a movie. It almost wasn't. It's amazing how it came together and all of the different uh, very rich men who uh, almost made it not happen. It's one of the few uh, good things Steve Jobs did for the world. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Now, uh, yeah, we talk a ton about that. I thought I knew it, Bob, uh, revealed a ton of secrets I didn't know before. It was a real learning experience for me, too. This is the stuff you won't see on Disney Plus because they cut a lot of those extras out of it. It's very true. So, yeah, Yeah. if you want to hear the entire four-hour and 15-minute or so podcast, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And if you sign up at the $10 level, you'll get just that. But also our past 12 What a Cartoon Movie episodes. So we've done one every month for the past year. And we're just starting our next year of What a Cartoon Movie podcast with this Mm. Toy Story episode. So you'll get to hear all 12 of them. And they're all at least three or four hours long. So that's like 30 to 40 hours of content right there on top of all the $5 uh, podcasts you might not have heard if you've never joined the Patreon yet. So many great movies we've done before spider-man into the spider-verse a goofy movie the nightmare before christmas rocco's modern life static clang akira kiki's delivery service cowboy bebop the movie and all the way back to our first one last november batman mask of the phantasm you can hear all those and if you sign up you'll also get to hear december's as well when we put Mm -hmm. that out near the end of the month so please consider signing up at the ten dollar level plus you get all those five dollar bonuses too that are far too long to list too many Please sign up at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons to hear it all. So that was our little ad spiel. Thanks so much for sitting through it. Now, without further ado, here is the free preview for this month's episode of What a Cartoon Movie, all about Toy Story. Okay, the history of Toy Story. So we have to go back to before the three-picture deal signed in July of 1991. Uh, Before this, Disney wanted to headhunt John Lasseter after he won the Oscar for Tin Toy. Uh, it was getting a lot of hype. He was a you know hot name in the animation world, but he did not want to leave Pixar because, in his words, he wanted to stay at Pixar to make history and not go to Disney to be just another director. Yeah, no, that, uh, I mean, if he had just taken the job after the Oscar, they would have just said, like, okay, cool, 
we need a director for Lion King. There, you're just the Lion yeah, King. Yeah, you're assigned director. a project. Yeah, yeah I think uh, he made the right move there. Like, I mean, and he he was part of the dark times of Disney. Like when they fired him, that was yeah, that was in the dark era before the Little Mermaid and Katzenberg kind of changed up the animation division. So I could see him not wanting to come back. Oh yeah, let's, so let's talk about that. So Disney fired him in 1984. Not the first time they would do that by any means. Yes. But so uh, why he got fired was he stepped on the toes of some of his superiors by making a short CGI test film for an adaptation of Where the Wild Things Are. So he wanted to make a CGI Brave Little Toaster movie, but uh, one of the animators he was working with, I believe it was uh, Don Hahn or someone like that, uh, they were like, well, uh, Disney was already going to make a Wild Things, you know, movie, but it didn't work out. Let's let's use that as our test because they already had an interest in that, so we could oh, impress yeah. them. Yeah. I remember that Wild Things test footage. Yeah, that's right. So basically, he made this and was uh, fired afterwards. So like, you made your thing. Uh, you fucked up, you're fired. But this is online, I mean, too. This test footage yeah. is online. It looks really cool. Yeah, it's uh, now Disney is at, acts like, what a cool thing we made instead of like... 30 years ago, they said, you wasted company money and time making this thing we didn't give you permission to make, boo. Like, that's, uh, you know, you hear the stories of like, take the initiative, grab the brass ring, and then yeah. when he does it, they're like, hey, whoa, stop that. And if uh, you're a woman and you grab the brass ring, they're like, that person's crazy. Yeah, what a Who cra- does she think she is? This is she's really too bossy and <laughs> just uh, very shrill. We got to get her out of here. And I guess at that point, Disney was like, do we even want to still do animated movies? So oh, yeah. uh, it was the great mouse detective that won a modest profit for them. And they were like, okay, let's still do this. But before that, I bet he was seen as like wasting time and money and company resources, probably buying equipment to make oh, this yeah. thing. It's online now. It looks really cool. It is uh, 3D backgrounds and uh, 2D characters, and it's about a minute long. So check it out. It's on YouTube. It could have really been something, I think. Uh, it's shocking it took so long for Where the Wild Things Are to ever get adapted. Like That was, that was one of my favorite books as a kid. I Loved it. I mean, the main character's name was Max, also, which uh, was my name as a child. So your witness protection yeah. program name. <laughs> and now I can't uh, not hear James Gandolfini's voice mm. uh, in my head. There's a famous it. gangster monster. <laughs> I still need to see that movie. I heard it's very good. It's, it's ten. It's ten years old now. You like Arcade Fire? They're all over mm. it too. I'll just watch the trailer. Okay. <laughs> Are they all over the entire movie? Um, you know what? I uh, actually no. Okay. Not. <laughs> they, they were a big part of the trailer. The trailer <laughs> was the best part of that movie, in my opinion, having not seen the movie. But John last does not want to leave for Disney and they're like well we can't let someone make a movie outside of Disney or can we so this goes back to our last what a cartoon movie about the nightmare before Christmas Tim Burton wanted to buy back the rights to that story he wrote while at Disney they said no we own it but we'll let you make it under our supervision so Tim Burton set the wow. precedent of someone making a Disney movie outside of Disney that's amazing yeah. I didn't realize it goes what uh, what interesting timing that goes straight from Nightmare to this one <laughs> In Burton's case, he was just so big that you don't say no to Tim Burton. You want to work with him. But Pixar and they, I mean, I guess, yes, they'd won an Oscar for their shorts, but they hadn't really proven themselves as filmmakers yet. No, none of them had written any movies or anything like that. Lasseter never directed a film before. None of their shorts had dialogue even. So they were taking a huge risk on Pixar. But even so, Pixar animators were not thrilled about going to Disney. Disney had a bad reputation about, uh, you know, how they treated their animators. And of course, who else had a bad reputation but Jeffrey Katzenberg, who we hate. Boo on you, Katzenberg. Boo. 
Uh, more on him later, but uh, he was known as a micromanaging tyrant, which he would admit to in uh, at the time. He's like, yes, yeah. I am a tyrant, but I get results, baby. <laughs> and he chomped a cigar. I mean, I guess he did get results, but I could... I think you could also get results by not being a tyrant. Yeah, I think that would yeah. also work. Uh, being a nicer boss always helps. But uh, yeah, so Disney wanted to play hardball with Pixar. They were a nearly bankrupt company and didn't have a lot of uh, bargaining power. So mm-hmm. these terms of Pixar's uh, three-picture deal were not very good. and They would become a point of contention around the time of Toy Story 2. But it did give this company the massive opportunity that uh, made them. I mean, we talk about how getting you know paid an opportunity is bullshit. Yeah. Sometimes it does help. You also need money and opportunity. Like opportunity is good. You also need money to live off of with the opportunity you get. So uh, yeah. they did get money too. Disney, when they're going to get that kind of opportunity for Pixar, it is going to uplift them quite a lot. Like it will make them famous. They'll have the entire Disney marketing machine behind them. So it's hard not to succeed with that. Uh, I, I think maybe Disney maybe shouldn't have been so mean because if they... I don't think they considered, well, if this is a success, we'll still want to work with them, right? But uh, no, it uh, doesn't sound like they uh, were they were being penny-wise and pound-foolish, which is exactly Jeffrey Katzenberg. Like, oh, yeah. That's who he is. So I do want to read you uh, this brief quote about the terms of the contract, just in general. I'm sure it's like a thousand-page contract, but here is the contract that Pixar signed with Disney. So uh, this is a big quote. So Disney would own the picture, the movie, and the characters outright. So Disney owns the movie. And all the characters, uh, they would have creative control and pay Pixar about 12.5% of ticket revenues. Mm -hmm. Uh, Disney had the option, but not the obligation, to do Pixar's next two films and also the right to make, with or without Pixar, sequels using the characters in the film. Disney could also kill the film at any time with only a small penalty. So this contract sucks. Wow, that's terrible. So they get everything. And they could kill it if they want to, and they can make whatever film they want after, and Pixar can't like that. And they don't even have to make yeah. two more movies; they have the option to. Yeah, wow. So it's a three-picture deal, but not guaranteed. It's not like a a pay or play contract. <laughs> Hello, it actually comes up here, but yes. Wow, that's terrible. I can totally see why uh, when the shoe was on the other foot, Pixar made him pay. Like, yeah, that was the I I appreciate that vindictiveness on their part. You know, as much as I love all these movies being on Disney Plus, I kind of hate that Pixar eventually just became Disney. Yeah, it's something that bugs me in general on the Disney Plus app is when in their collections they list like Christmas films and there's Home Alone there. I'm like, you don't get to claim that. You wouldn't have made... Home Alone exists in a way that Disney would never have approved of in 92. And so I I I hate to get to write the history of that. Yeah. I saw that. How was that a Disney movie? Like, who distributed that? Well, I mean, it was Fox. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's just all the Fox. It's like Sound of Music is on there, which is like... Sound of Music is not like a very daring film, but Disney would have never made a musical about Nazi Germany and escaping it. Like that wouldn't, it would have just been seen as controversial. This is not me making a Walt Disney was a Nazi joke, though he did like Lenny Riefenstahl. But anyway, (laughs) he wouldn't have made that film. And so I hate that, uh, as always, history gets written by the victors. And so they just get to have all these things like, yeah, all these Disney properties. Isn't Disney great? Like Disney would have never made Star Wars, but they'll buy it after it's successful 
insane with Pixar. Let other people make the risks for you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so all of this would come to a head with uh, Toy Story 2 four years later. But uh, again, that's a different podcast, but it's really, really interesting. I didn't want to get too deep into it in my research because it just you can just read article after article. This is when the <laughs> internet was publishing things. You can read so many accounts of what was happening at the time. But that is for our What a Cartoon Movie about Toy Story 2, which will happen <laughs> as God is my witness. So um, let's talk about the development of Toy Story. The story or the premise of the movie would change a lot over time. So the first treatment of this movie starred uh, Tinny, the tin toy from Tin Toy, mm. and a ventriloquist dummy going on a sprawling adventure with the dummy who was named Woody because he's uh. a dummy. So Woody retaining the name of the dummy is like the, uh, you know, just like what was passed on from this version. So Woody makes a lot more sense as the name oh, of the dummy. yeah, that totally yeah. does, yeah. Hey, knothead, clunk, clunk, clunk. I have a PhD in film. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Woody would be the dummy and uh, all the other toys would rally against him because he was the villain of this movie. Not a lot has been said about like what the, you know, what he was doing to be the villain or like what his uh, scheme was, but Woody was the villain and Tinny was the hero and other he would they would meet other toys in this grand adventure across America presumably. I mean, ventriloquist dummies look creepy. They're not heroes of movies, they're villains. They're ventriloquist dummies are villainous things in <laughs> Toy Story 4. I don't want to spoil too much, but there are scary ventriloquist oh, dummies in it. Yeah, I saw about 10 minutes of it at uh, Thanksgiving dinner, an early Thanksgiving dinner, and I was like, uh, these, I don't like these guys. <laughs> but uh, we know all they want to do is drink wine, but they can't because the sawdust in their belly would explode. <laughs> I'm re- referencing this is to, all these critic references. No, no, I'm referencing uh, Devil Doll from Mr. Oh, Sensei that's there. right. The, you stupid dummy. It's the uh, <laughs> the ventriloquist act where you watch a guy eat ham and make a dummy we, not be able to eat ham. We love your cruelty. <laughs> oh God, it's so funny. If you like him eating ham, wait till you see me eat ham. Oh yes, Th- these uh, are these are for nobody, by the yeah. way. Well, these it's references. Also, it's Turkey Day, so it's time to uh, yeah. celebrate Mystery Sensei. I'm gonna area. make a mini Thanksgiving dinner when I get home and watch an episode. So uh, it's funny though they thought. You know, to think of how all the famous characters in Pixar now, that they thought then, like, well, our most famous character is Tinny, so he's going to be the star. Tinny was on fire. I mean, within the animation community, people knew Tinny, but he was not a marketable character you because... You can't make a toy out of that. He was a toy for the greatest generation, not the boomers <laughs> taking their, you know, millennial children to the movie. He was a toy <laughs> from a different era, so not a lot of appeal there. And he didn't really move around that much. He was just sort of a very stiff tin toy. Very. If you think some of the characters in this are static, he's really static. Mm-hmm. So this treatment didn't really work. So... What Katzenberg did uh, well for this movie is he suggested the movie be a buddy film. And if you look at what Katzenberg wanted to do to Toy Story, you can understand why Shrek is the way it was. Shrek is very oh, much yeah. a, a buddy comedy where the two buddies are at odds and eventually through the movie, they see eye to eye about things. And that is like his ideal form of a movie. So uh, what happened was a lot of changes happened in this buddy movie uh, rewrite. Tinny would eventually become a spaceman that went through a few additional changes before becoming Buzz Lightyear, and Woody would remain Woody, but would lose his ventriloquist dummy status and become a cowboy to contrast with the spaceman angle. So just like two different eras clashing with each other to represent the two different personalities clashing. He has more of a uh, Howdy Doody vibe in some of those that early test footage I looked up, yeah. He really does, and in this version of the movie, uh, Woody was a villain, a more sympathetic villain, but he was a huge jerk because Katzenberg was pushing make this more cynical, make this more edgy. He wanted to make a Shrek style movie while at Disney. Like we could see what his game was. No, there's uh, in the final film every edgy moment. I didn't 
fully know that, but every edgy moment in that feels like uh, a little taste of Shrek in yeah, this movie. Yeah, like, uh, the penis envy joke that was uh, all over those commercials. Exactly, the kissing of the butt too. Like all these, all these dirty moments that. Shrek just became like almost a PG thirteen film. Like they say, ass in the movie even. And like, things like uh, just like dismembering your character. Yeah, Buzz yeah. doesn't have an arm for like twenty minutes in the movie or fifteen minutes. Yeah, so I can also see. I mean, you know that uh, Katzenberg, I think, was always straining against like the perceived Disney wholesomeness too. I think and this was uh, as an outsider creative thing. It could even push more against it and be. Uh, further away from it though that's crazy to think though because the heart of pixar now is what people love the most about it like it's emotionality they took back emotionality from disney like like no we're the most yeah, emotional. we're gonna show. make you cry <laughs> every time you're crying you're gonna weep in that theater embarrass yourself so i have a little clip from this first uh version of the movie it's test footage but it shows uh well you're gonna hear it but it shows uh woody is a much bigger character than a smaller buzz so mm-hmm. the uh you know the ventriloquist dummy tin toy aesthetic is still in effect in terms of their size but also Woody is much more sinister so uh, this is a version of the scene where Woody uh, traps Buzz behind the dresser so I'll have two versions of this to play on this episode so this is the first version of it with a non-Tom Hanks playing Woody Hi pal what you doing? I'm Tempus from Mars What's this button? See you weren't thinking of flying were you? Well, you know Andy loves toys that can fly. Really? Well then, to infinity and beyond. You know, Andy loves toys that he can find. So yeah, he's just evil. very creepy and evil. And yeah. I believe this—I think this was test footage they sent to Disney. They were like, show us what the movie will look like. So they animated this scene from what they thought the movie would be. So yeah, Woody is a huge prick. Uh, does not have the charismatic voice of Tom Hanks to make him, you know, more lovable. Uh, and this is basically where Woody started. Yeah. Also, though, it's funny in that the, the getting lost behind the dresser scene, it also involves a globe, just like yeah. in the final film, too. You can see a lot of these elements still remain in the final movie. Mm-hmm. So... Again, Katzenberg was like, no, make the movie edgier, make it uh, more cynical. This is the go-go 90s. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna make a movie very different than the Disney st- uh, fairy tale storybook, you know, touchy-feely movie. Like, make this your, you know, edgy 90s movie. So basically what Pixar did, being very terrified to lose this movie, lose this opportunity, they took every executive note. They're like, we will just listen to whatever you tell us. And what happened was... Uh, when they deliver the uh, the story reel, which was like not even animation, it was just basically storyboards uh, made into a video to show them what the movie would be. You would not start animating 3D without that, like full approval, like number yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, in general, when you see storyboards from Pixar, I think it was surprising for folks. For me, too, that think like, oh, they still plan it like yeah. a traditional 2D animated film. So you see just drawings of Buzz and Woody. And I really like, in you know, in the f- more final versions of the storyboards, it's fun to see what a drawing of Buzz or Woody would look like instead of a three-dimensional yeah. creation of them. When I was a kid and just reading these animation magazines, it was like astounding to see like, oh, they draw these things first. These things are yeah. all drawn still. Well, I mean, the, uh, the legacy of this film is people thinking, a computer did it right yeah yeah you told woody to be mean and he did it right (laughs) so basically going back to you know them taking notes they took every note 
that Katzenberg and his executives gave them, and uh, the result was you did exactly what we said, and we hate it. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly Katzenberg right there, like giving you a million notes, and then once you give it to them, then he rejects it. because he, That's why I said that character, that bonkers we did, the little guy, was totally him, where somebody says, like, well, no, that was your idea. Of course it was my idea, yeah. and I did it for the right reason, so there. like, It's uh, hard yeah. to avoid Katzenberg in everything we talk about lately. Like, any yeah. 90s animation thing... Katzenberg comes up in some way. Yeah. Well, and if ever Quibi gets into animation, we'll talk oh, about it. Oh, God. That. Quibi's not happening. Let's have them fun. Let's have Quibi fund us. <laughs> Just quick bites of animation chat. Yeah. We can do it. Uh, five million per episode. They've got the money. <laughs> so what happened was this all led to an incident known as Black Friday, which is very similar to what happened with Aladdin. Yeah. Especially from Katzenberg, too. I think like, the Aladdin thing was even called Black Friday or I Black Tuesday or I, something. Yeah. It was It was called Black the Day of the Week they showed yeah. Katzenberg. I think also in our Goofy Movie podcast, there was a similar Katzenbergian. uh, But Katzenberg had exited before they got into final production, so they actually could walk back the things he told them to do, such as having Bill Farmer not do the Goofy voice as Goofy. What a horrible mistake that would have been. So what happened was they showed them this story reel for their uh, new treatment of the movie, and they hated it. So we're lucky enough that Pixar did expose this to the public via those DVD releases. So I'm going to play a short clip of uh, what happens in their version of the movie that didn't make it, where instead of uh, in the movie that we're going to talk about later, Woody wants to trap Buzz behind the dresser so he gets to go with Andy to Pizza Planet. What happens is through this Rube Rube Goldbergian event, Mm -hmm. Buzz gets knocked out the window. That's not what Woody wanted. In this version of the movie, Woody throws Buzz out the window and his confrontation with the rest of the toys is very ugly. And I have some of it here. And these are like most of the voices you'll hear in the final movie. Spuds for brains. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Off the bed. Hey, off the bed. You're gonna make us, Woody? No, he is. Slinky, slink, slink, slinky. Get up here and do your job. Are you deaf? I said, take care of them. Uh, I'm sorry, Woody, but uh, I have to agree with them. I don't think what you did was uh, right. What? Am I hearing correctly? You don't think I was right? Who said your job was to think, Spring Wiener? Well, I, I just, just thought use that you... this vast reserve of brain power to consider this for a moment. If it wasn't for me, Andy wouldn't pay any attention to you at all. In fact, my stretchy friend, you would have been hauled away to Goodwill a long time ago. So shut your mouth and get them off the bed. See, uh, yes, this is the uh, the yeah. version of Woody we didn't see. So yeah, Woody is still a sort of villain in this uh, version of the movie that has to, you know, learn a lesson, but you're never on his side because never. he's too much of an asshole. I mean, Woody messes up and does some cruel things in this the final version of the movie, but you like him the entire time because he feels bad, he's never too mean, but in this version, he is just the worst. They give you a reason to think that he's at least like, well... He's defensive, he's uh, he's losing his confidence, but he's not being, like, intentionally shitty to people. But in this, yeah, like, that scene starts with him pretending to shake Buzz's hand and throwing him out a window, and when everybody tells him, like, you just you just killed him. He's like, yeah. yeah, so what? It's a toy eat toy world. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. a line that was before that clip, but it's like, yes, I, I rule all of you, and uh, this is my bed, get off, and I'll have uh, my, like... Uh, 
my subordinate take care of all of you. And it's also a harder thing to come back from at the end of it because he's like, he's being mean to a dog and you just see this slink being so sad. And how can you ever like a person like that? When they throw him out the window at the end of this sequence, you're like, you absolutely deserve this. Yeah. You deserve death. Like you, <laughs> you killed another toy and are telling everybody else you'll kill them too. And it's funny, so this version of Woody would not make it into the final movie, but knowing that this existed and these voice readings exist, in the movie, I feel like some of these original Woody readings are still in, because at times Woody sounds too mean in lines where he's not supposed to be mean, where he's talking about, uh, you're going to need a movie, buddy. If you don't have one, get one. There like are, He's like yes. really mean in some lines. I'm like, I think they just retained some of the earlier Woody lines for, these, uh, for this final version. Yeah, I think you're right. A couple times the negativity comes out of him, or he acts like a real creep, and and I feel like they add, maybe they add some other line to be like, well, oh, I didn't mean that or whatever. Yeah, there's, you'll see some of mean Woody still in here. Yeah, the worst he does in the final movie is tell Slinky to like, shut up. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's basically <laughs> it. So yes, uh, Katzenberg hated this movie, the movie that he asked for. He absolutely hated it. Uh, so much so that he thought it was, uh, Disney thought it was unsalvageable and they shut down production. And basically Steve Jobs personally financed Pixar at that point as the writers worked on a new script while the animators shifted their priorities to making more commercials. So I read a lot of sources. The story went that they were given two weeks to come up with a new script. So Andrew Stanton and they hired some, you know, Hollywood folks to come in and help him. So he went off to write his new script. The rest of Pixar was working on commercials. But uh, the two weeks thing is a mystery because they didn't start production again. uh, Sorry, production wasn't greenlit again until February. So oh, 94. Wow. Wow. So between November of 93 and February of 94, there was nothing happening at Pixar Toy Story wise outside of writing that new script. Damn. And those three, three months of just that I got to, you know, again, another thumbs up to jobs like paying for the company to keep going. I think a lot of other bosses would just been like, oh, we lost we lost the Disney deal. Cut bait. I don't trust you guys to make a new thing. I mean, also like thinking that in Silicon Valley today, somebody would trust creatives to do anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. No way. So another uh-huh. another uh, thumbs up for Steve Jobs. Yeah. He actually was like, oh, these artists know what they're doing, but also there's a lot of money in it for me yes. if this pays off, and there certainly was. 